This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined in studio this week by Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. And uh, wow, Jeremy, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know the best way to get this thing going. I just think I probably speak for a lot of people, a lot of Blues fans, when I say I am still floored at the decision to fire Craig Berube and to move on from Craig Berube. I don't like it. <laughs> I, you know, and we've been in the podcast room before, and I, you know, for those that don't listen regularly, I am a chief supporter through and through. I would run through a wall for that dude today, <laughs> just like I would have done two weeks ago. Jeremy, the first question that I have for you, and I know hindsight being 2020 as it is, but you are very close to this team. You see a lot that's going on. Did you have any idea that this was even being talked about behind the scenes? No, not being talked about in terms of it was going to happen or it was imminent. Um, I think that, you know, when you've covered for 19 years and teams aren't doing well, you always realize that it's a possibility. But in the past with whether it be uh, Ken Hitchcock, Mike Yo, uh, other coaches, I think there was like this three-week, four-week period where it was like, uh, okay, it's coming. Like something could happen. I remember when Mike Yo started the Stanley Cup year, even before the season started, there were kind of rumblings like, you know, this is a good team, and if this doesn't get started well, something could happen. So mm-hmm. it always feels like there's like a, a bug planted in terms of uh, of that. With this, we know that the team was up and down, right? We talked about all the inconsistencies, wins over Vegas, Colorado, losses to San Jose, Chicago, uh, Columbus. You know, Doug Armstrong, after a Chicago loss or a Columbus loss, doesn't pick up the phone and, and call me and say, uh, that was ugly and, and, you know, I'm really frustrated. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You know, that's not the relationship. Uh, but knowing Doug Armstrong, I got to believe and feel that he is not happy and he's frustrated and he's going to try to continue to get to the bottom of it. Um, but did I think he was going to fire Craig Bruby after the game the other night? No. I was on the elevator with Doug after the game. That happens about 90% of the time. The reporters are on, on the elevator with uh, with Doug and his management staff. They're going down downstairs. And, you know, you could see the frustration on his face. Um, but in terms of him walking the 200 feet down to the office area to walk into Craig Bruby's office and, and pull the rug, I just didn't see that coming that night. All right. So the way that I have been trying to break this down over the course of the last 24 hours is sort of three different Ways three different um, uh, points of view that I have seen over the course of the last 24 hours. One, all right, and we're going to go through these, all right, but I just want to throw these out there first. One, hey, Coach Berube, you're not winning. When you don't win in the NHL, you get fired. That seems to be the minority opinion amongst Blues fans, but still out there. Two, Doug Armstrong, they want his head, and they want it now. They think that this is his roster, that Craig Berube is the fall guy. Then there is the other side that are on top of these players, all right? And and I got to tell you, man, I think I go somewhere in the middle right now between Doug Armstrong and the players. Now, listen, I understand, and I think that both of these things can be true, that Doug Armstrong is one of the greatest general managers in the history of hockey, one of the best general managers in the league right now, but he has made some mistakes that have put this team in a bad spot. And I think it started with 
not signing Petro. I think that is when the snowball started, at least in my opinion. But also, but man, but man, I'm telling you where I'm most pissed off about. It's these freaking players. Because to me, this is 150 freaking percent on them. You watch those games. I watch those games. We had this conversation, JR, last week about how we can see when these dudes aren't locked in. It's easy to tell. You know. And now it seems like if they get down a goal or even two, forget it. There's no pushback. There's no like, there's no, man, I don't know who on the, besides Braden Shin, I know there's more, but I don't know who on this team hates losing hates losing. I want more guys on my team that hate freaking losing, and I don't know that the Blues have those guys. No, you definitely... And I'm sorry I'm no, sorry to go on that diatribe no, 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 there, no, JR. That's the Donnie I love. But, that's, dude, it's, yeah. it's just... I don't under... I, really, it breaks down to... I don't completely understand this. Yeah, no, so, okay, so let me take to what you said and then put it in my, Break, my perspective. Break it down, yeah. Is that, uh, let, let's just say it's 33% management Armstrong, 33% the coaching, and 33% the players. And then I just want to tell you uh, what I feel about each category there. Um, I feel like with, let's start with um, Doug Armstrong. You know, I agree with you, and I wrote it at The Athletic, that I do think that this kind of started with Alex Petrangelo not bringing him back, and we're not here to break all that down or take sides or anything like that. Let's just say that when it didn't happen, then you go and sign Tory Krug. Nobody's trying to say that he's going to fill Alex Petrangelo's spot, but he's not the type of guy, uh, when you put that together with promoting Colton Pareko to the number one, it didn't work like Alex Petrangelo staying here would have then okay well now we got to bring in somebody else we bring in a marco scandella wow he looks pretty good with preco let's sign him to a multi-four-year deal and and see how that works it didn't work as well now you're signing nick letty so now you're chasing trying to build the roster back up when you had the guy here Mm -hmm. and so whatever happened there with the petrangelo thing we can save that for another day i believe that that was kind of the snowball so now the team isn't as good now you make a decision not to bring in david perron back um you know you have to trade ryan o'reilly i think to get that first round draft pick because now you're getting ready to go into a retool so the bottom line here is the team just isn't as good as it was so now when you talk about craig berube's 33 percent how does how does what was he doing his job what was he not doing right you know why did it fall off things like that well number one he's not coaching as competitive competitive as a team that he was before and he he just doesn't have as many good players as he did you can look at any team football look at your belt look at any team if you don't have the players you're not going to be as successful as a coach you can wake up every day and try your hardest doug armstrong said yesterday uh, something that sticks out he said craig bruby when i was in europe for two weeks recently we'd talk every day he'd give me the message i love the message i love what he was going to tell him i love what we were doing each day he said and then i'd turn on the tv at 3 a.m because again he's in europe and he said i just didn't see it on the ice so to me that means the message is good Ruby's got good intentions. He's trying to coach his bag off, right, uh, to get these guys to play better hockey, but it's not happening. So now we get to the 33% with the players. I think that you have to hold them accountable, whatever their talent level is, whatever it is. If, if a scale is 10 and this team's a 3 or a 5 or a 7, whatever it is, you have to hold them accountable. So, yes, they do, do deserve what you're saying, the criticism for not showing it every night, not coming back from one goal deficits, so on and so forth. But the one thing I want to keep in perspective is this isn't as good of a team yeah. as they had. So can they play better? For sure. Are they going to 
you know, be a, a playoff team? We don't know that. We didn't know that at the beginning of the season. The bottom line is, to wrap all that up, is that Doug Armstrong saw a situation, whether it be the players, whether it be they weren't getting the proper coaching, whatever it was, a change had to be made, and, and that's what led to this quick decision. It is just, even as you're saying things, and even as other people bring up, you know, like, it's not as good of a team, simply. It's just not as good of a team. I mean, that in and of itself tells you a lot of things in which that you need. But it, it's just also, too, I mean, I think that there are times, though, that and we've that we've seen it, that, that, that there is just a, a, and I don't know who the players are, but there are just certain dudes on this team that I think that their max effort is what it is, and that's all they're going to give. And I agree with you, and that's the one thing that I want to keep in context here is because maybe that, that max effort, is who they are. Yeah. And, and and so when I talk about, you know, look at uh, Kasperi Kapanen, you know, pretty good player when he starts out in Toronto. You know, he leaves there, he goes to Pittsburgh. You know, he's overpaid in Pittsburgh, so they put him on, on waivers. And the Blues, knowing that – knowing that they're going to be in sort of a retool and they're going to need guys on the cheap a little bit. Well, here's a top nine forward at three point, whatever, and and uh, he we can bring him in, right? Oh, Jacob Vrana, Detroit, you're going to pay 50% of his salary. Oh, we're kind of going through a retool. We could use a guy with high, a little high ceiling. They know he has issues. They know there's a situation why Detroit wants to get So you bring that guy in, too. You know, Kevin Hayes, same situation. Uh, you bring him in from Philadelphia where he needed a change of scenery. And so my point is, you know, as a Blues fan, you turn on the TV every night for 10, 20, 50 you know, years, and you expect them to be good. And for the past 10-plus years, including the Stanley Cup, uh, they're great, right? They're a really good team. But that's who you're – comparing it that's who you want them to be that's who that's where your fandom is and you know you're familiar you're aware that some of these guys aren't the best players in the league but then when they come out and it's up and down and no power play and this and that well well guess what this is what Doug Armstrong did this is the team that he brought in to help the Blues get through this retool to try to stay competitive but yet look to the future as well so the thing is we can talk about max effort we can talk about guys trying there's a reason these guys are on this roster is because they were available yep yeah you're right they were great players they'd be somewhere else that's 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 that is where the fan part of me like supersedes the intelligent part of me you know what i mean well not the intelligent part of me but you know man like you just want it so bad and you just see well if x y or z happens we're right here. We're right there. All right. So uh, not only and – I, and I did not get clarification on this, but I can just only assume. So not only was Barubi let go, but were the assistants let go as well? No, just uh, Barubi. Uh, they kept Steve Ott, Mike Weber. Uh, you know, I think this is a situation where they just wanted to make kind of the definitive change there, and then everything else is going to be evaluated. So Drew Bannister will, will be – I think he arrived in St. Louis uh, yesterday, Wednesday. He'll be down at the morning skate today. I'm heading down there. Um, he'll be the head coach behind the bench tonight. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into him during the podcast at some point, but Drew Bannister, the Springfield coach, he'll take over. And, you know, I know that some people were probably upset that uh, the rest of the staff wasn't let go with Bruby because it hasn't been a good year in terms of power play, you know, Steve Ott, so on and so forth. But I think it's a situation where uh, Doug Armstrong wants to hang on to them for now and then just evaluate as we go along here. Right. And then if, you know, they do hire out, then that person will have the ability to put their staff together, exactly. that, that, yeah. that sort of thing. So, uh, like you said, so tell us about Drew Bannister. Tell us uh, about this guy. I know that he's been in Springfield a couple of years. I mean, Jeremy, do you, I mean, 
is is this a job? I mean, is he a legitimate contender for this gig? Do you think, or is he just kind of the the the, the holder? So I think Doug Armstrong made it pretty clear yesterday. He said that uh, he's the interim. That's okay. what's what they gave it to him as. Um, they said, "Do you want the job? Do you want to come up here and do this?" And Drew Bannister said, "I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> of course I do." Yes. Uh, so he's going to take over. It is going to be on an interim basis. Is he a candidate? We asked Doug that specifically. He said yes because it's wide open. It's wide open search. You know. He, he could be a guy. Now, I remember going back to when Craig Bruby was uh, promoted to interim uh, back in 2018-19. You know, I don't think anybody gave him a snowball's shot in hell that he was going to be the head coach. But week after week, you know, you saw what he could do and the team kept winning. Um, so I think he obviously uh, made himself the guy, right? Can Drew Bannister do that? Perhaps. I think it was a little bit easier for Barubi to do it because the talent was already there on that team. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking Petrangelo and, and Bomeister, Pareko, Perron, O'Reilly, all those guys. So that team was set. This team's not like that. So yeah. Drew Bannister comes in. He doesn't have a Ferrari, right? What do I drive? A Ford 150? So he's got a <laughs> Ford 150. Um, so that that's what he's got to deal with right now. In the meantime, Doug's going to start this search and, you know, I've been to four press conferences now with Doug where he talks about the search and it's going to be wide ranging, you know, so I'm sure he's got a short list of candidates that he's got in mind. The thing here, Donnie, is the trend, well, I shouldn't say trend because it seems like it's been happening forever, but what teams have been doing the past couple of years is hiring that recycled guy that's been with four teams. Right. Um, you know, you talk about, look at LaViolette, he goes to New York and he's changed that entire culture. It's like his fifth team. But that seems to be working right now. So is that the route that Doug goes? Um, I'll, I'll say this. Whoever comes in is going to have a challenge because, as you know, this roster's got a ton of 30-year-old guys, long-term contracts, no trade clauses, and the team wants to win now, right? They want to be competitive. But at the same time, they need somebody who can groom and, and, and kind of communicate with these young players that are coming in. And that's a challenge. Usually when you come in as a coach, it's either a win-now mode or it's a look to the future. And as you know, the Blues are right there in the middle. So the first person that I thought of um, <clears throat> as far as the recycled thing goes was Bruce Boudreaux. Right. And and I and I just I, I I just you know like as you're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, the person that takes this gig, they have got a freaking challenge in front of them. What is this? What does this coach need? I mean, like you said, this coach is going to need to be able to go through these 30 year old guys on these contracts, but still be able to bring up younger players. One of the things that I loved about Coach Barubi is that I thought that he did really well in bringing up younger players. So that's a little bit concerning to me, too. See, now, that's a great point. And, and that's why I think the hi- the firing of Bruby was surprising to me because you're in this retool. And to me, Bruby's kind of that perfect guy for that role because he's in kind of the win. Okay, we we got the veterans. We got the the Falks, the Krugs, the, the Shens, the Sods, these guys. Okay, I've coached them. I, I can I can work with these guys. But also, you know, the Robert Thomases, Kairos, I can push those guys. You want to bring me some more young guys? I've shown as a minor league coach, Doug Armstrong has said himself that Craig Bruby is great at grooming young players. So to me, he fit that whole role perfectly. You know, in terms of the, the Bruce Boudreaux and the Gerard Gallants uh, who are out there, you know, those guys are great coaches, and like I said a minute ago, that seems to be who teams have been turning to the past couple of years. Um, but I don't see that as a fit here in St. Louis because let's just look at Boudreaux for a minute. Can he come in and give you a boost? Yeah. Could, could he come in today and, and the Blues win six and get hot and maybe make the playoff? Yeah. But the thing is, he's older, and he's going to be judged by winning now. Is he going to put any emphasis? Is he going to want to put any emphasis on – 
grooming these young players right. and, and making them better for six He's not going to be here in six years. Right. So that's why Doug Armstrong has to go out and find this guy who's probably a little bit younger, you know, probably has worked in the American Hockey League recently and dealt with these guys and kind of has a pulse for today's athlete. I think that's who he's going to be looking for. Because i got to tell you, man, if it's going to be one of these Gerard Gallant, Bruce Boudreau types, then I feel like in two seasons, three seasons – we're going to be here all over again. Yeah. I don't think that's a long-term solution, and I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, and I don't think so either. Look, when they brought in Andy Murray, you know, you needed a different change of pace type coach, you know, a guy that's going to, I don't say wear on guys, but it's going to get after him, right? And, and you know that's only going to last a couple of years. I don't see any sense in bringing in a guy like that um, knowing that you're probably going to move him out in a couple of years. I mean, that's not where the Blues are at right now. No, they they, they are going to need somebody that can grow with these right. guys too, right? <sighs> <laughs> so this is going to take some kind of digging for, for for Doug Armstrong. And I wonder, man, like, because he's had to have been thinking about this for a while, so there's probably at least a little list already started. And uh, Yeah, I think that list, I think Doug said it one time, like, the list doesn't just get drawn up once you start losing and you fire somebody. The list is drawn up. You could be uh, 22 and 1, and you still got that list. <laughs> of like, you know, hey, this is somebody that we could call if something goes go. sideways. Yeah, but I think that, okay, let's get past the Bruby firing and just, okay, that happened, move on. Right. Um if, if you look forward, I think it's a fairly good situation to be in now in terms of, okay, now you're at that stage where you're looking for a coach and you're going to hire one because, you know, let Bannister roll with it. Let let him see what happens the rest of this year. You know, if you make the playoffs, great, but I don't think that's what anybody like Doug Armstrong and his staff are judging this season on. And, you know, if it takes a month to find this guy, if in two months you see that Bannister is the guy, if it takes – Bannister finishing out the year and then you go get that guy in the offseason because that's when more good coaches are available. You know, I think Doug Armstrong, I'm going to say good situation, but I think that the way it's laid out in front of him, it's not a bad place to be in in terms of finding sure. a coach. And that makes a lot of sense, too. And also, too, I mean, I don't know what franchise that we just gifted with a badass head coach, but somebody needs to be sending us a thank you card once he gets fired or hired before the beginning of next season. Yeah, you're right. Because somebody's going to yeah. scoop up Baruby. I mean, he... He'll take the rest of this year, right, and he'll get a gig before the start of next year if he wants it, right? Yeah, if he wants it. Yeah, I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if some teams have already reached out yeah. uh, in light of this. And he does have a contract with the Blues that runs through 24-25, so oh. they'll have to go through kind of all that. But um, I think that if he wants it, he could probably be coaching this year, um, and hopefully I'll get a chance to talk with him here in the near, near future and see what his plans are. But if not, next year for sure. How does that work? So like, do the so does that mean that the Blues would stop paying the contract or would or, or how would that happen? Yeah, so it's a deal where the Blues, first of all, would have to be contacted by that team, grant permission to talk to Bruby. They'd Which they will. Work something out. And then typically, if I'm not mistaken, I've only dealt with this a couple times, I think it's a situation where let's say Team X comes in, says we're going to give Bruby a three-year deal, here's what we gonna we're gonna pay him i think the money that the blues owe him would likely come down from what they still owe him based on that agreement with the new team that okay. takes him what do you think the locker room is like what do you think the locker room has been like since it happened do the are the players affected by when this stuff happens are we at a stage in sports and the way that this works that they're like yep that's part of the business we'll see the next guy when he gets here um with the locker room it's a situation i think it's we've played out uh several times you know when when coaches get fired you hear a lot of the same cliches donnie where uh, yeah, you know, we we cost a good guy his job, and, you know, we're sorry for it. You know, I think that 
Jordan Bennington probably had the best words yesterday. He came out and said that we, we got to show some pride in wearing this blue note, uh, whoever the coach is. Like, I think he's a guy who holds himself accountable and does a pretty good job of holding others accountable too. Uh, so I think that the locker room right now is a place where uh, they realize that they didn't play as good as they could have. And, and perhaps if they did, then he'd still be here. I think the thing is, and I really do believe this, if if the Blues – had beaten a couple good teams, the Colorados, right, and and Vegas's, and taken care of business against those other teams. Maybe you lose some games to the middle teams, but don't lose those games to the bottom feeders. I think Bruby would still be here. I think that's been the biggest craw for Doug Armstrong is the ups and downs, peaks and valleys. He can't deal with that, and nor should he, right? Yeah. Like you just can't have that. Every time you come to the rink, it's so much emotion because you don't know which team you're going to see. And if you get a lead on a team uh, or you're trying to come, you just don't know what you're going to get. And so I think that that's what Doug Armstrong saw in Craig Bruby in terms of how he was coaching the team and what he was getting out of the team. So, you know, we'll see when Drew Bannister comes in. Do they still have these types of pendulum swings up and down? You know, I don't know. It seems like that's the makeup of this team, this group, but they're going to have to show otherwise. You know, it was kind of crazy, and I know I'm not the first one to say it, but that giveaway at the end of that game by Cairo that led to the empty net or whatever, it was just like, man, that, that like, a listener even said it on my Twitter, that encapsulated so much in those, in those few seconds. And it's just such, it's such a bummer, man. Because I understand people being upset at different players and certain players. I think almost the entire team I'm friggin' breathing fire on right now. But, like... A guy like Jordan Cairo or, or, or anybody that has that much talent that you consistently and continually have to go, I wonder if this guy's plugged in in this game or not. It's so maddening. I'm not saying that they should trade him. I know he's a young guy. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying that it's frustrating to me that you don't see a guy like Jordan Cairo doing everything in his power to freaking keep that goddamn puck in the zone. It drives me freaking bonkers yeah. man so as much as i try to stick up for the guy i see why people get pissed off yeah and i'm with you there uh you know as I'll, i preface this sometimes by saying i'm a reporter you stay objective you know a lot of times that you have to give opinion uh but i like the talent that jordan Cairo has and i really do think that he for the first 20 games or so had taken some strides uh, i know that the offense hasn't been there but i think he's done some other things that people were getting on him about right so he's trying to fix those things he does okay the goals aren't coming in he's still like third in the league and five on five attempts so the attempts were there you think as a reporter okay you know yeah, you got to be critical, but at the same time, it's going to come around. And I remember I used to be critical of Tarasenko. Hey, he hasn't scored in six games. And then he put a hat trick in. It's like, <laughs> sure. Okay, shut up, Jeremy. You know, type <laughs> thing. But I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm same thing watching the game the other night. So we're in the press box, and you know, like you're up in the clouds, right? And so I'm looking down, you know, 300 feet uh, down at that play. You know, they're going on the power play. Is the power play really going to score here and tie the game? And and is this going to be a situation where the power play clicks? And then you see that thing happen with Cairo on the wall, and you're like, did did I just watch that? Did he just did he not protect the? Did he not? Oh my goodness! Holy smokes! And so yeah, you're right. The irony in Craig Bruby trying to turn Jordan Cairo into a better player, and that winds up being the last play in Craig Bruby's coaching career here in St. Louis. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jeremy, I don't love that. I, I, I just, I, it, this all, this all sits very wrong for me. And as much as I know that Doug Armstrong has his responsibility here, and I do believe that he deserves to wear some of this, dude. This this particular team has sort of grown my ear a little bit. Like, I just don't – listen, I'm not saying that this should be a Stanley Cup contender. I'm not saying that they should be first in the Central. But that game against Columbus, it looked like they didn't give two rats' asses if they won or lost. And I, I – I, dude, I understand you have off nights. I understand. But, man, like, we see these off nights all the time. And when we see these off nights on our side of things – it looks like you don't care. Yeah, and no, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that you don't. I, I know that you do and you have pride, but you know what? Then let's friggin' see it. How about when somebody runs over your goalie, you get pissed off about it and mess up somebody's face? Yeah. I would love to see it once, man. And it seems like it's only, and I'm, you know, Oscar Sunquist will go, Jake Neighbors will go. I get it. But dude, Shinner is the only guy that's fighting when he breaks his freaking hand and is out for a freaking month because of this. I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> no. I just don't under, dude, I don't understand these players have a coach that literally legitimately says hey here's what you're doing right here's what you're doing wrong here's what i need to see to get you on the ice more i don't understand what more you could possibly want as far as communication goes now i know i'm not in the room i don't you know i don't know maybe baruby's not as great of a guy as i have him to be but this to me seems like a team with at least a handful of dudes that that don't truly give a rat's ass and I'm and you know what? I don't like it because I feel like I'm spending time to watch a team that doesn't particularly care some nights if they win or lose. Yeah, Doug Armstrong touched on that uh, yesterday. Oh, first of all, I don't need to preface it again about being a reporter and being objective, but I grew up in St. Louis. I'm a lifelong St. Louis and 48 years old. And I'm sorry that I'm yelling at you, No, Jeremy. no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I've, I, I've lived in a 20-mile radius my entire life. I've, I've moved a couple times. I've never been outside 20 miles you know, of a certain area. So... Um, I grew up with blues posters in my room. I never knew that I would cover the blues one day. So the reason I'm telling you this, Donnie, is you know I grew up watching those teams and those players that you're talking about. And as a blues fan growing up, that's all you wanted was the effort. I think if you go back to, I want to say 2006-ish, when Dave Checkett's ownership group came in, they put out a survey, a questionnaire that they sent out, I think, to season ticket holders. And they put a list of options of what do you want to see with your team. I'll never forget this. And Mike McCarthy with that group, with Dave Checkett's group, he came up to me and he said, Jeremy, we put out this this questionnaire and it says, what are your priorities? Do you want to see a team that wins? Do you want to see a team that wears it on their sleeve and, and plays hard? And that's what won. It, winning wasn't the number one thing on the list. It was, I want to see it every night. I want to go home knowing that this team tried their hardest. And he couldn't believe it at the time because he was coming from New York. And that's all it is, is win, right? right? So he knew St. Louis was different at the time. Think about it. If you look at, if you put together, ask all your Blues fans, buddies, put together a list of your top favorite players. Of course, Brett Hall is going to be on that list. But who else is going to be on that list? It's going to be Sutter. It's going to be Kelly Chase. It's going to be Tony Twist. It's going to be some of these other guys that just gave it, you know, every night or at least played that physical style. Or so I think that I think that when you look at this club and you look at other clubs that haven't brought it, it's like okay, I, I don't need you to win the Central Division. Yeah. I just want to turn off the TV and go to bed knowing you lost four to three, but you gave it everything you had. But to me, Donnie, you know, it's so tough to analyze. Where is that line? Where is that line between this team is not good enough? 
this team is made up of players that aren't capable of giving it their all every night. Yeah. And you can criticize them either way. It doesn't matter. But are you criticizing somebody and a group of players who aren't capable of it? Who are who are not put in an ideal position to do it the right way. Yeah, they're they're you know, Doug Armstrong puts this roster together the best he can. Okay, this guy's a okay, he's on waivers, we'll bring it. Oh, we'll give this guy a second chance. He's a reclamation. You bring it in and then it just doesn't click and it doesn't come together on the ice and then on TV you're watching it, it's like looks like these guys aren't even trying. Well, yeah, because you took, you know, a piece from this, a piece from that and it didn't work. So, again, it doesn't matter. They're in the NHL. They need to play hard. I'm not trying to take these yeah. guys off the hook. I know what you're saying. I, I just think you, you have to analyze why is it not happening. No, you're 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 correct, and that's why when I start to get too fired up about the players, then I start to come back over to the Armstrong side of things. But uh, I am just, uh, man, I am I am just an unhappy Blues fan at this particular stage of the game. I know that we have many. I mean, I know that the future. Is, is bright. And, and so that I don't want to lose sight of. It's just disappointing when a guy like Craig Berube has to take one for this team. Yeah. And I think that is is what is so bothersome to me the most. So, I mean, do you see Bannister, like, doing anything crazy with the lines tonight or anything like I'm that? I'm as interested as you are. Like, I'm going to head down there and see. I can't imagine – I could be wrong. I, I can't imagine they're changing up a ton. The other thing I thought about, you know, you drive down the road thinking about these things is, you know, you put yourself in Drew Bannister's shoes. Like, you want to come in and you want to be hard because Doug said there's got to be accountability. But I think you also want to come in with a, you know, hey, buddy, how's it going? Like, hey, how can we make you better? You know, do you think he wants to go up to Jordan Cairo yesterday or, or today and, and you know, cold shoulder, stern look, you know, like, hey, we, you know, no, it's going to be a thing where it's it's not coddling but it's got to be somewhere in between. I'm here to make you better. Yeah. You let me know how I can make you better, and let's go. Boy, Jeremy, I don't like this. I didn't think that we were going to be here. I'm not, I wasn't prepared for this to happen. I went to bed pretty much right after the game on Tuesday, and so I woke up for my old man pee at like 2 in the morning, <laughs> and I saw like five text messages from people, and I was like, are you freaking kidding me? It legitimate. I don't remember the last time something in St. Louis sports kind of caught me off guard like this as much as this caught me off guard. Well, first, I just did not see it coming. First of all, before I respond to that, so your morning pee is at 2, 2.30? Well, I mean, that's like that's the middle of the night. Right, middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was just going to say, mine's like at 5.30. I don't even have to look at the clock. Like, I literally get out of bed. Okay, I got to go to the bathroom. I walk in the bathroom, and then, ah, shoot, let me see how close to 5.30 it is. <laughs> oh, it's 5.29. And then you don't go back to sleep? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's always awesome, too. It's dead on. Yeah, and no, we were, uh, you know, probably should have said this back at the start, but uh, so I was in the press box that night after the game, and my story, you know, because you're unaware that they're getting ready to fire the coach, right? Uh, my story was going to be, hey, if the Blues are considering firing Craig Bruby, here's the questions that I would be asking myself. And I had a list of questions, and I was answering them myself. And that's the story that I would have published about the situation because, you know, you felt like uh, with Darren Drager's report that, hey, Blues ownership slash management frustrated, you know, if things don't change – 
there could be a good coach walking out the door. But I felt, and I still felt like that situation is, if things don't change, that's that window I was telling you about earlier. Yep. You know, two weeks, three weeks. Okay, yep. it could happen. Uh, but it's not going to happen tonight, right? So yeah, once that news, we're in the press box at 1130 at night, and uh, you get that news, so you scrap your other story. Now you're writing Bruby fired story. Get home about three o'clock in the morning, and two and a half hours later, I was up peeing. Right? <laughs> That's insane. So wait, real quick, how do you find out in the press box that it happened? Yeah, we get a message from uh, the, you know the press release. Okay, th- so that that's it. Out. So the same yeah. press release I get in my email is what lets you know. Yeah, same thing. And and you know you can. We always talk about covering the team. You're around them all the time. You're an insider, uh, quote unquote. You know, I always you want to do the best job you can, but I think people would be a little bit surprised and that that stuff is kept so quietly. I mean, especially with a Doug Armstrong, who's old school. You know, he grew up with the Bobby Clarks and the Bob Gainies that were running the show, and everything is close to the vest. He has told me multiple times that that inner circle, you know, is is so tight. And, you know, so to answer your question, you know, you follow a team all the time. You do the hits on 101 ESPN. We do the podcast here. Would you like it if three hours before somebody calls you and says, hey, the Blues are going to fire their coach tonight, look out for it? Yeah. And that does happen sometimes. But I think in this particular situation and a few others, you find out when the rest of the people find out. Because, you know, I don't know. Doug Armstrong talked about it a little bit yesterday, Donnie. Um, you know, I don't know that he's driving to the rink yesterday thinking tonight's going to be the night. He had talked about the frustration. I think we was probably going to happen soon based on his comments yesterday. But there's there's not a whole lot of people that know that he's going to pull the trigger like that. Man, oh, man, this is something else. Jeremy, your perspective is so freaking amazing. No, Thank no, you so much, man. I appreciate it. And unfortunately, uh, we had our good homie Alex Ferrario was going to join us today, but he had a sickness in the Ferrario household. But, man, if you want to keep up to date on everything that is going on with this Blues team, with the coaches search, with everything, make sure that you are subscribing to The Athletic and reading our friend Jeremy Rutherford and listening to our other friend Alex Ferrario on 101 ESPN because there is uh, – you know, there's a lot going on right now. This is a, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's a duh thing to say, but this is a critical and crucial hire for this team right now, this this head coach. Going into this next window of whatever it is, I mean, you know, Doug's got to get it right. He has to, and that's a great point to, to wrap up here is uh, this is his fifth coach that he'll be hiring first of all you don't see too many gms that are in place for as long as he has been 13 years you know even longer if you count the the uh, gm and waiting period uh, so when you think about hiring five head coaches you got to consider that he's been around for a long time right but that said you know i don't know that he gets another one right so i think that he's got to get this right which you say going into every hire but this one especially we talked about the challenges of this hire, a guy who can win now but also look to the future. And, you know, if we're talking about Doug hires a guy in two months and this team ends the season on a sour note and gets off to a bad start, you know, next year and Kyrou's not progressing, you know, if we get into that type of situation, like I don't know that Doug is going to be allowed to hire another coach. Yeah. I would, that, and that was going to be a question that I had, too, is is at what point is Doug Armstrong on the hot seat? Is that hot seat getting hot right now? Has it already been hot? 
I don't consider it hot okay. for this reason that I know for a fact in many, many conversations with Tom Stillman, uh, the chairman of the Blues, that uh, he and Doug are tight, that uh, he trusts an army, like fans always say, trust an army. Um, he and, and when I say this, I understand why he says this. Look at all the success that Doug's had in terms of, yeah, one Stanley Cup in 10-plus years. It's a hard thing to do, but they did it. And number two, look at all the, you know, string stringing together the years of uh, making the playoffs. And so I think he feels strongly that Doug is the right guy for this job, and I don't see that changing. And so, um, yes, he has to get this right, but I think that even Tom would have to get to a point in a year or two, two and a half, if it doesn't work out with whoever the next coach is that, okay, perhaps it's time to move on. But Donnie, yesterday Doug was asked, you know, do you feel that your job is safe? And he said, uh, you know, am I concerned about it? No. Um, he, again, he has a good relationship, but he said that uh, until they tell me to go away, I'm going to keep working hard. So that's always been his attitude. For Jeremy Rutherford, Alex Ferrario, Jamie Rivers, and our homeboy Jeff Burton, it is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, thank you very much for listening to Let's Go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.